Welcome to Dungeons & Dinners, where the love of fantasy is food for thought. I'm your host, Brett Lindley, and today I'm talking about the importance of Session Zero and how a good Session Zero can be just as helpful for your dinner parties as it is for your D&D ones. Welcome! Take a seat anywhere. We'll be right with you. Not everyone may know what it is to have a Session Zero, and in fact, I, it's not a term that I was really familiar with until probably just a, maybe a year or two ago, to be totally honest. And so I figure we'll just kind of start there. A Session Zero is it's just that. It's the session that comes before the start of the campaign. And there's a lot of things that can go into a session zero. There's a lot of different ways that a session zero can play out. And a session zero doesn't necessarily end at just one meeting. It may take uh, several meetings to get through uh, all of the things that you may want to set up throughout your session zero. And it, it really just depends on the DM and uh, the players and what all kinds of content need, should, or could be reviewed. So what types of stuff would that be? Well, a lot of stuff that can go into a session zero, it may just be information that you find on something like a looking for group on Reddit, where the information about the campaign, the setting, the types of technology, the age range, things like that are all kind of openly shown. Um, but this isn't always something that you get when you're meeting up even with friends. Of course, you may have some of that information, like, you know, who's going to be there, but some of it you may not have. And it's just a really good way to set ground rules and boundaries. There's a sense of kind of a mutual misunderstanding about D&D where a lot of times when I've seen groups of people come together at the table, they just, everybody thinks that they kind of already know and understand what everybody else is there for. We're all here to play D&D. But in the same way that, you know, everybody can show up to a table and say, we're going to play Monopoly, even in that game, <laughs> it's probably the worst example that I could have taken for everybody expecting to have the same rules being used. D&D &D is much more like Monopoly than maybe uh, Checkers or Connect Four, where the rules are pretty, everybody knows pretty much the same rules. Uh, games of Monopoly, there's a lot of people that don't play by the actual rules of Monopoly. Uh, you know, people playing, you know, putting money into the, the center of the board for when you hit free parking is kind of a, an old house rule that we used to play. Uh, things like adding, using pennies and dimes for additional houses and hotels, when actually if you run out of houses and hotels, that's actually the game of Monopoly, is that there are no more. You get a very specific number of pieces. So in the same way, everybody can show up to a DD and d table and think that they're all there to play the same game, but there's just so many different ways to play and so many things that can go into a cooperative storytelling experience that it can cause a lot of tension if there are not good, clear boundaries and rules established ahead of time. Maybe your players are expecting a more combat-focused game and you were planning to run a political murder mystery. The, the ways that players interact at the table can also be something that should be discussed. Uh, is player-to-player is player -player combat acceptable? 
what about widely varying alignments? Is it okay to have a lawful good paladin and a lawful evil necromancer in the same party? These There are ways, of course, to play around those. However, it's good to discuss both with your DM or with your players or between players and players what they're looking for in a game, what they would like to play in a character, and how they expect at least some, to some degree, other people to act at the table. So there's just an absolute ton of questions that you can answer from the campaign setting, the amount of combat. Uh, is this all going to be theater of the mind, or will you guys be running with maps? If so, what, what types of maps? What can be expected? Uh, how often do you guys want to play? And then into some of the more the, the finer details. How are rule disputes going to be settled? Uh, are you going to be playing raw? Are you going to play you know rules as written? Uh, are you going to play more rules as intended? When there's rule disputes, are you going to wait for an official response from somebody on on a and d Wizards of the Coast Twitter, uh, or are you going to roll for them? Uh, or is it just the DM's final say? And where should the fairness in those things lie? I find myself, as I've mentioned before, being more of a homebrew DM that I bend and even break a lot of the rules in the game. But I make sure to set that expectations with my players. It's it's very difficult for me, actually, to DM for a rules-as-written player. And that's just because they expect the game to be played a certain way, and if I play it differently, then that can be very upsetting for them. So I make sure to establish what types of rules I'm probably going to break or bend, and how that can play in their favor, uh, because it's usually in their favor, the way that I break rules. Um, it's usually for the story, and and I explain that. Like, if I'm going to break a rule, it's going to be to increase the story. But I also set up other things, like I'm not going to take charge of your character. Your character is your own. I may recommend or have you think a certain thing, but that's about as far as you go. Like, you, your intelligence of 18 makes you think that that's probably not the smartest decision you've ever made. Uh, so before you act, you know, you may think about that for a second. But that's as far as I'm going to go. I will never puppet somebody else's character. But some DMs will. So if it's not something that that's come up, you know, maybe bring it up. Uh, especially if that's if there's a level of self-control is important to you. And this goes, there. the session zero should be an open discussion. And you should not be afraid as a player to ask questions that the DM just maybe hasn't answered or hasn't thought of. Like, will you ever puppet my character? I, you know, prefer really high levels of personal autonomy. Even if it's a mistake, I don't want to be told. And I definitely don't want you taking control of my character and acting for me unless it's, you know, under this, a certain spell like, a, you know, a modify memory or something. It's about the only time that that's like an acceptable place or, you know, maybe telekinesis, <laughs> lifting you up and literally puppeting you. But the, there are DMs that will, for thematic effect, maybe describe how combat, how that player approaches combat and say, oh, you rolled a hit, so your character punches them like this. And... There are some players who are really against that. There's some players who are less creative, and that's another thing that you can you can bring up on the opposite side as well. Is say, I'm just really not as creative 
in the theater of the mind stuff. So if you could puppet my character some, or you're allowed to puppet my character some, as long as I'm making the actual decisions and dice rolls, if you want to add some for thematics, then that's fine. These are all just examples of places that just getting together and talking can really change how you perceive a game and decide make a decision on if you want to play. It's also a good time, especially if there are players coming from different friend circles uh, that are all meeting together. It's always good to have everybody get to meet each other all at once. Uh, and the session zero doesn't have to be at the start or there should be one at the start of the campaign in my opinion but it doesn't just have to be there if if for example you have an established party and you're bringing in an additional member it's probably a good idea to host a session zero for them one to allow them to meet everybody as just a person as a human being to come into a new group of human beings and not have to immediately jump into a role uh, without just understanding you know who are these people and what is this game actually going to be like tell me what you know, has happened so far, or, you know, in what ways are you guys, you know, have you seen the game lately? It can also be a check-in for an established group, where you're not bringing anybody new into the game, and you've been playing for maybe three or six months. It's okay to have a session zero there to check in and just discuss very openly and candidly, like, let everybody know. we're We've been friends for a long time. We're all walking out of this, friends, but now is the time to State your piece. What were your grievances lately? What are the things that you feel I can improve on? Or, you know, where do you feel like you may have been lacking that I can help you with? And and having the ability to take that kind of constructive feedback. A lot of people say that they're open to uh, feedback and to constructive criticism. And a lot, of, a lot of times that I've seen that, it's very true. A lot of people are when they say that. But there's also just a level of it that can get to be very difficult. Uh, brutal honesty is brutal for a reason sometimes. It can hurt to take feedback and think that something that you were doing pretty well on and suddenly you find out that there's some sticking points. Even if they're not egregious ones, it can still be difficult to find yourself attuning. And so having an open space where you can talk to everybody all at once to discuss those things and bring up any kind of, you know, squabbles or or interests if you want to change the direction of things. Do you, does everybody like the direction that's going? Is everybody feeling satisfied with the amount of combat? Do you like the puzzles? You know, just having those types of discussions in a more open and long-form way because it's really easy to say how amazing the game was at the, the last 10 minutes of a session where you just fought a, a, a monster and barely won and there's a cliffhanger moment about one of your characters and you can't wait to play for next week. you just so pumped. It's so easy then to be like, hey, do you guys have any feedback? No, that was awesome. That was amazing. I loved everything about it because you're, you got that like adrenaline rush. But when you go home or when everybody leaves your house, whatever the case may be, or when you all log off of the Discord session... You may find yourself calming down and kind of thinking back through it and going, you know what? I feel like, I feel like I was I was kind of skipped over multiple times when I had something to say, and I feel like I could never get a, a word in, and it was very difficult. That's when those grievances come up. But then you may forget about them by the time the next session starts, and it, it can also be very difficult, you know, especially if somebody shows up fifteen minutes late for the session. 
you don't want to bring up your grievances then. You want to, everybody wants to know what happened at the F and the cliffhanger. That's what everybody's talking about, waiting for the last player to arrive. And they crash in the door, throw their books down, and they're ready to roll dice and grab their character sheet. That's probably not the time to say, hey, I feel like I didn't really get to talk a lot last time. And so either bringing these things to the attention of the other players and or the DM in just any sort of outside of the game fashion, or asking your DM for another session zero, or your DM asking your players if you could hold a feedback session. It's vitally important that I think a lot of people, myself included, I, I at least tend to forget that D&D is a game. That it is literally playing a role of a character in a game and just getting to experience that and experience a world and have a cooperative storytelling experience. And the, the cooperative part is important too. It's not just hearing the DM's story. It's not somebody reading you a book. It is a cooperative storytelling thing. And so it, it can be easy to kind of forget about that and you get lost in the moment and it, it takes some stepping back and it takes some awareness to look at things and see if everybody is cooperating, if everybody is having fun, and if everybody is enjoying themselves and feel included. And while inclusion does bring me to some other topics that I'd like to cover today, I think I would like to now kind of step over and relate those topics in a little bit more realistic fashion with how a session zero can affect having people over when you're out to cook for them. Because this is just as an important and varied way of inviting somebody over for dinner. And there's a few different directions that this can go. You can have somebody that's not a very picky eater at all, and when they have somebody say, hey, would you like to come over for dinner? There's not really a second thought. It's just like, hey, would you like to come over and play checkers? And they think, dinner is dinner, you know, and so I'm totally okay coming over and having whatever is cooked I'm probably going to like. So sure, easy decision. Uh, myself, though, I'm a pretty picky eater. Because of this, I really have a hard time ever asking anybody to cook for me and can oftentimes, if I'm invited over to somebody's house, uh, get a little bit anxious because I don't want to offend somebody's cooking. Uh, there's a lot of food that tastes wonderful that I'm just not good at, at eating. It's a texture thing, or you know, maybe it's just a certain style that I'm not really going to be interested in. And But I don't want to put that pickiness on other people, especially if they're going to be hosting. So it, it, when I have an invite come through, it can be kind of a tense moment where I've got to be willing to ask questions about what are you, what are you planning on cooking? Uh, what types of ingredients are you using? You know, and I'm not going to ask you to cook for me, but would you be offended if I brought something else? Because I'm, I don't do it as a means to offend you or say that you're a bad cook. I just am a picky eater and I know myself and I'm not going to put that on. I'm not going to make everybody else, um, you know, cook to my tastes and then everybody else at the table have to deal with that. So having that time to have that open discussion is important uh, for me because it kind of eases some of that anxiety in understanding 
how do you how do you often prepare your meals you know how finely do you chop things what do you tend to include are you using you know fresh ingredients or powdered ones because that can all affect the texture and and of course i'm not gonna you know just straight up interview somebody for a, a long length of time about these things but they're all types of questions that i may ask and since i often tend to host more dinner parties than go to uh because I am more than willing to cook for several different, uh, you know, palates while not necessarily wanting to ask for that to be done to myself. Uh, It can be just as important to understand what types of food everybody wants to eat, especially when a a lot of meals can be made a number of different ways just with the inclusion or substitution of certain ingredients. And sometimes you can make two or three plates of the same meal very easily while having, you know, individual uh, culinary tastes in mind for each plate based off of the same core dish that you're making. Uh, sometimes it's very hard to incorporate. It's it's hard to make three different soups, right? Because you want to boil everything together and you want to stew it all together. And it makes it difficult. Maybe you can have a, a few different toppings, but if you're making chili, it all goes in the same pot. So um, so it's it's very helpful to understand, you know, if people's tastes are the same. There's also, however, a much more important side, which is a question that I did not used to ask people before, and now am try to be as aware of as possible, especially if I'm having guests over for the first time, is food allergies. So I have a friend who is deathly allergic to fresh garlic. Uh, they're fine with like powdered garlic or, you know, any kind of processed garlic is usually okay. Uh, but fresh raw garlic is, is a serious issue. And that's a very common ingredient, but also a very, uh, at least more rare allergy. And so it, it was one of those things where like the first time they came over, I didn't even think about it. I didn't think to ask. And they asked before they sat down, because they have to be, they have to know what they're eating. They said, hey, does this have garlic in it? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I I cook, I put garlic in everything. I put lots of garlic in it. So they're like, yeah, that would kill me. So I'm I'm sorry, but do you have something else I can eat? And I felt horrible. And it was, you know, they were like, it's fine. It's not a big deal. You didn't know. I forgot to tell you. No big deal. But I really learned, because I, I love, I love people enjoying food. It's a big reason, you know, why I started this podcast is to share my love of food and my culinary insights and things. And so not, you know, cooking something for someone and not having them even be able to taste it is just kind of crushing. And I realized, I was like, I've never asked if people have allergies when they come over. I just kind of assume that they don't. And it was a real teaching moment for myself to kind of lower some of my assumptions. And I now, anytime a new person is coming over, and even people that I know pretty well, I generally just kind of ask off the cuff, hey, let's, hey is there any allergies? Are you allergic to anything? Let me know. If not, cool, great, then whatever. I usually That's usually a great icebreaker to then bring in some of the less comfortable questions. Like, are there any certain foods that you don't like? Like maybe you're, and you've already broken the ice with, we're discussing what we don't want in our food. You don't have allergies, so there's nothing you don't need in your, your, you know, as a 
an item that you can't have. There's nothing that you need to express as something that you're not allowed to eat. But now let's move on to things that you might not want to eat. You know, do you are you fine with fresh vegetables cooked? Do you want a side salad? You know, and just having a way to break into that conversation makes it so that the follow-up questions are that much easier to ask and talk about. And then all of a sudden you've that's that's a session zero. That's the you know if if you're going to be having these types of discussions, then make them important and and make sure to have them because allergies are a big deal. And there are also a lot of people kind of like myself that are uncomfortable requesting certain things to be done to their food because as you know, if the other person's hosting, they're already putting in that work. And so opening up that conversation for people like that is very heartwarming. Like if people ask me, you know, are you allergic to anything? I'm like, no, not really. Is there anything you don't like? It's a lot easier for me to approach that and say, yeah, I got a texture problem with certain types of food and go from there and talk about what it is and and if it's something that they're willing to cater to or not. And, and I'm totally okay with that because then I have a heads up as to, should I bring something with me or eat before we go or, you know, and play games later or just be happy that, and, and enjoy the fact that they are cooking something that I'm probably going to find pretty pleasant. Uh, just discussing what the meal's going to be. There's a lot of things that I do like to eat that I have no issue with. So if it ends up being one of those things, then great, awesome. I'm excited, ecstatic. But I'm, I'm happy that the conversation was still had. And much in the same way that allergies are a really important thing that needs to be discussed prior to a, eating something, especially for the person with allergies, um, and there is also that broaching the conversation for the things that may not be as big of a deal, but are still possibly uncomfortable to talk about, we're going to move into what I have found to be another really important part of session zero, and something that, again, I did not used to do, uh, but am much more aware of now, and I'm much happier that I am, which is kind of generally sold as consent in gaming. And when I discovered this, I was ecstatic, especially for larger parties uh, or groups, especially if there's going to be members that swap in and out. Uh, understand it even in smaller groups, especially with newer players or people that you haven't played before. It can be so useful to understand and be made aware of different types of consent in RPGs. Because, you know, the the session that you're joining up probably doesn't have a an ESRB rating on the front that says these are the types of things that are going to be in the game. Um, it just kind of has D&D at person's house at five written on it. You know, that's, as, that's a lot of times as much as you get. And... There are more than just the campaign setting, if it's going to be steampunk or high fantasy or low magic, more than just that, it can actually be really important and helpful to have some tools available to open up the discussion toward different types of experiences that could be had in the game. Uh, if you have a, a, a severe arachnophobia and you don't want to work on it, you're not interested in that at all then it might be helpful if you, you know, have a way or an avenue to let your DM know that, hey, probably don't want to fight horde after horde of giant spider as, you know, our 
our first quest in the game, I, I'd really rather not be go kill the giant spider mother in the woods, you know? And and there are some that may kind of balk at that a little bit and say, well, it's it's just a fantasy, they should get over it. But I've I've been in some really interesting experiences, I've had some interesting experiences and seen and talked to a lot of different people, and especially highly visual people who do love that theater of their mind stuff it can accidentally force them to relive really traumatic moments of their lives. Um, and there's a lot of other things that you also, that can go into the same vein, like uh, not just with an evil party, but descriptions of evil characters. What ha- What is it okay to have in-depth de- uh, descriptions of versus what is something that should kind of happen behind the curtain but you still know it happened, it's just not deeply described, versus this is a hard line, I don't want this in my game at all. And there's a lot of sensitive topics, like uh, is everybody at the table okay with inter-character relationships between different party members at the table? You know, is anybody against doing that? Because I've seen groups of people where they use D&D as a surrogate for real life flirting and then have the excuse of well that's just what my character would do and that can be really not okay especially in in a lot of different situations but anywhere that it causes a discomfort for somebody that's if it's not okay for them then it should be something that that doesn't have to become a fight at the table that doesn't have to try to be resolved in this really awkward character to character moment and instead should just be a ground rule that's established ahead of time. I'm my character is not going to be interested in any intercharacter relations. Period. Um, same things with you know maybe really graphic dis- depictions of violence uh, versus more cartoon ones. You know how are you imagining the world is an important thing, and. There's a lot of different experiences that can go into a consent from uh, fears to certain types of trauma. Uh, you know, your big bad evil guy uh, slaps a kid, you know, or worse. <laughs> and that can be a, a, you know, childhood trauma can be something that can be off the table for a player. And if you didn't know, and you had it as a, a, a tense surprise moment where they the players walk in and see this happen. The players didn't know to expect that, and you didn't know that it was going to cause somebody discomfort. I've seen players that lower their heads, look to the side, don't really say much, become quiet for the rest of the session, and then stop showing up later on because they don't want to be a burden. And all because, and the DM doesn't know why. Why did this happen? They're not. They. What did I do wrong? Did maybe is it just them? Is it me? What's and so just taking all of that, and you don't have to worry about it anymore if you're able to have a solid session zero where you get to discuss these things. I'd also like to share that there is a really good PDF available. Uh, it's a pay what you want slash free quote unquote PDF. Um, called Consent in Gaming that I learned a lot of this from. Uh, I picked up a lot of tips and tricks from when I was out looking for some kind of similar resource for when I was looking for myself to 
how what's the best way to have a good session zero? Uh, what's a great way to do it? And it's available through like drive through RPG. You can, uh, I believe it's got, they've got their own uh, website for it. There will be some links in the description. It's about a 13 page PDF with a one or two page, uh, like quick reference printable that you can print out for your session zeros. If you don't want players to have to, if, if they may not be comfortable openly discussing you know, major traumas and fears. Uh, you can have everybody fill it out pre-session or fill it out online. You can you can make a, a like a Google Doc version of it and have them fill it out without submitting a name and just submit a forms response or a survey response type thing, right? Where they don't have to include their names, they can be completely anonymous, and you can just go through and tally things up and decide. Uh, for yourself, if you either A, want to be a part of that session, if you're a player being presented uh, one of these sheets that's been pre-filled out with what to expect in the game versus uh, a player filling one out for a DM being able to say, you know, what you do or don't want and the DM being able to take all of those responses and cater the game appropriately. So I'll make that uh, link, like I said, available in the show notes. I think it's really great. It includes some additional pages to, that go over uh, some of this information a little bit more in detail, some things that I don't want to get too deep on the podcast here with, um, but especially when it comes to uh, romantic encounters, either between NPCs and party members or NPCs and other NPCs, as well as uh, traumas and fears. There's also some of the stuff that, that I've talked about, especially in regarding like fears. I think there's a lot of those that can be influential, especially in Dungeons and Dragons and a lot of other TTRPGs that is just not something that I think a lot of people tend to think about. And so having that as an option, having some extra fill in the blanks if you do use this form uh, or if you build a survey or a form similar to it, uh, leaving some room for players to comment about anything else that they can think of that, that might bother them is, uh, is pretty important. It's also, in my opinion, pretty important to you know, talk about the, the how you're going to deal with, like, is your game uh, friendly for LGBT plus audiences, right? Uh, how are you going to deal with certain scenarios and what are the limits? Because there's some players that, you know, in a more uh, kind of sex positive game may think that that their limits are the same as other people's and what that means to everybody, again, can be so different. And it can be a very sensitive subject. It's, it's even harder to approach once you're several sessions in, once characters have already been created and backgrounds established and and the play styles are already kind of locked in and the players are excited to play them how they want. And suddenly how one player wants to play a character uh, is very offensive to how another player is having to interact with that character. And so just being aware of those things and having a place where before characters are created, you could say, hey, I like the style of your character. I like where you're going, but these are some hard limits that we have established. So as long as you could play it within these limits, we'll be okay. And if you can't, this is how we're going to deal with it. And setting the boundaries, setting the ground rules, so hugely important. In conclusion, through whether it is a dinner that you're about to host or a gathering for a party of people, and you need to plan out 
uh, meals that may be appropriate for varying audiences, especially the larger the gathering, the more options you may just need to have on the table by default. Are you going to include a vegetarian dish or some vegan-friendly foods? Uh, are you going to be able to cater to people with various types of allergies? Or are you just going to throw peanuts in the salad and say, all bets are off and leave a sign out front? <laughs> as much as it is important for that, again, I think size is an important factor. The number of players and knowing your players or your dinner guests is going to go a long way to making that session zero easier and more comfortable. Whereas larger groups of people or when there are additional unknown players or, or attendees that are coming, the more and more important it is to have some way of uh, getting established open communication before the event so that you don't have to worry about mitigating what could be a potential disaster uh, just in the middle of what the time that you should be enjoying. So I think that it's really something that you should take in mind. I think that there are a lot of great resources out there that... Um, just take a look, do some research on session zero, do some research on dinner planning or hosting a dinner party. Like there's a lot of things that go in before you put food on a plate uh, that can go to just making that experience that much better and hassle-free and comfortable and fun for everybody involved. So I'll leave a couple of extra links in the description. There's another really good article on DM Academy, uh, a Reddit, subreddit, that's a steal this session zero and I think it goes through, there's a lot of things that I haven't talked about, uh, especially D&D focused about uh, styles of play to be expected, not just house rules or homebrew rules, but if you're going to allow custom character generation, to what extent, what how much DM approval is needed, uh, what type of narrative sensor is going to be used. Again, there's so many different types of things, even simpler things like how many of the rule books will you allow, especially for players that have played third edition, where there's like 160 some odd or more rule books uh, available, setting a limit on those or very specific books that are available or a number of books that are available. Uh, 5e is is growing. Luckily, they're still keeping things a lot slimmer than they used to. In my opinion, I really appreciate that. But what about Unearthed Arcana? Does that count? Are you allowed to use playtest rules? Or can you only have core books plus one or something like that? Again, there's so many different things that you can discuss. And just doing some research and taking some notes about either things that you might want to ask a, a new DM uh, or things that you would want to ask your party members before you all sit down and get together to play, having those notes ready on the forefront and actually writing them down so that you don't forget in that nervous heat of the moment where you end up feeling like it's an interview. You can just take a moment, step back, glance at your notes, and say, hey, I want to ask a couple of questions if that's okay. And just run through them. Because it'll, it's always better to play no D&D than bad D&D. And one of the big steps that's going to get you to being able to play in the games that you really want to play in and participate in is communication because it's a, a game that's all about communication and so establishing some of that up front and not being afraid to jump in and ask some kind of awkward questions is gonna go a long way i think it's probably just as awkward for a person with allergies to ask hey does this have uh you know garlic or peanuts or shrimp or shellfish in it and having somebody say oh yeah we we cook in a facility that that has that 
and be like, well, I need to cancel my order. And you're looking at a plate of great smelling food and maybe you have to pay for it even. It, it, having to deal with that after the fact is a lot more distressing than asking up front. Do you guys serve, is this made next to shellfish? And if so, is there a way that I can get it prepped in an allergy, you know, a free or, or respectful manner? And if not, then it saves you all the grief of having to either turn away food or not asking and having to deal with a severe allergic reaction. In the same way, asking about content that may be offensive to you is going to save you a lot of grief in the short term if you take that time to have that just tiny, awkward conversation up front can save you having to deal with a really awkward, tense, aggravating, irritating, or or just flat-out furious situation down the road where you might be in a spot where you just can't take what's happening. It, don't Don't put yourself in that scenario. Take the time to ask a weird question up front, um, even if it's something that you think everybody likes, uh, are the tomatoes fully pureed or are there going to be chunks in them? Cause I'm not a chunky person. <laughs> it's it's going to be better to do that than it is going to be like picking around your plate and leaving food on the side. And you know, sometimes it can't be avoided, but if it can, you can do your part to, to try to have some of those weird conversations out in the front. So hopefully this hasn't been too terribly weird of a conversation for any of you, and I hope that you have taken something back from this episode. If you have, please uh, reach out to me on social medias. Uh, the links in the description will take you to all of my open social media accounts. The Facebook group is growing uh, pretty quickly. I'm posting on Twitter and Instagram with a little bit more regularity as well. So find me out there and let me know what you think, what I can do to improve. I will take your constructive criticisms and your feedback, and uh, I promise you that I'll do the best that I can with them. If you're looking for more content and you want to hear more of my thoughts on topics about things like video games, uh, then you can check out my other podcast, which is called Pick Up Your Sticks, and it's a podcast about why gaming matters, and it is co-hosted by myself and longtime friend Walker Near. I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you, and remember that love is the secret ingredient. Have a good day, friend. Thanks for stopping by.